Hello and welcome to Nigger Report, your weekly roundup of all the latest sneaker news and all other photographic announcements that we found interesting. Constant here and here is Becky. All right, let's get straight to it. It's been a slow week, mm -hmm. so we had some hands-on and a review on 800 mil. So the first one up, we have Jeff Lubeck, who got his one, one of the first in the United States. All he did is just say, this is day one shots I've taken from my house without moving an inch. Mm -hmm. Have a look at them and see what the sharpness like, etc., etc. I like the fact that the article is called The Test Ain't Sexy. Yeah. Nikon Z800 handheld. Really? And then it's really. Exactly. So he doesn't do all the, you know, explosions and graphics, etc. Et chickens et and some dog. Exactly. Exactly. Lots of chickens. And when I am evaluating the lens, mm -hmm. I do want to see some chickens and, you know, dogs and maybe some fishermen. It's important. Exactly. I think. Because then it tells you, oh, the lens is sharp. I want one. Mm -hmm. That's number one. Then we also had a Chinese website, also had a preview of the lens. So it's all in Chinese, but you can translate it if you want to. There's a thing called Google Translate. It does it for you. Exactly. But I think if you're looking at the English speaking market, the main review that we have is the review from Camera Labs. And they not only review this lens, they also compared it with a 400Z lens and also F mount 800mm lens. It's lucky for them that they got their hands on a 400mm Z, really. Yes. Honestly, to do that review. There are some reviews that I'd really like to personally do with the 800mm. Yeah, what would you like to do? I'd like to do the 400mm with a mm -hmm. teleconverter. Okay. I'd like to do the 100 to 400 with a teleconverter mm -hmm. because although the 400mm is obviously going to be exceptional with or without teleconverter, look at the price point, mm -hmm. 100 to 400 for some people be enough with a two times converter. So I'd just be interested to see what the difference is. That was actually one of the biggest comments that came up on our Wetland Center video was... Okay. Could you do the two times converter with that combination? I think we didn't have one in stock at the time. That's exactly why we didn't do it. And I was going to actually mention that on the comments, but I think that maybe doing that, I'm not a huge fan of the two times converter. I used it with the 70 to 200 when we did the big cat sanctuary mm -hmm. video. So I wasn't pushing for one and we still don't have one in stock, but maybe we can do that test as a separate video, but it's not about us. <laughs> It's about camera labs. <laughs> exactly. And uh, speaking of good and bad things about this lens, what did they find good about it? Uh, so they did say amazingly short and light for an 800mm, mm -hmm. particularly 6.3. Very good resolution and contrast across the full frame. Good image quality with a 1.4 converter. Effective optical image stabilization. Good close-up performance, no longitudinal color aberrations or purple fringing, or practically, they said, only little vignetting and no distortions, very little field curvature. Nice bokeh. Absolutely. I mean, distortion at 800 mil, I would expect it to be non-existent. Yes, exactly. Basically, the only thing they didn't like was the minimum distance of five meters, so minimum focusing distance is is a bit far. The relatively strong focus breathing, apparently. Yeah, that That is, for videographers, yeah. would make sense, I think. Five meters, not so much, but the focus breathing, I think, it's an important one. Yes, and then the last thing was that the, the tripod foot is not Arca Swiss, which none of the Nikon lenses have Arca Swiss type feet, so uh, is sort of a little bit irrelevant, but at the same time yeah. important. I do think that Nikon should, but this is my personal opinion. Yeah. There's a demand for it, definitely. I, I, I think mean, they should include it. We see that in the comments as well. I don't understand when people get really upset about it. I think it's nice if they would have it, but it's not like Nikon lenses had them. And, and then, then they suddenly, took it away. Exactly. Yeah. So, but it would be an interesting one, I would say. Yeah, Acre Suisse uh, tripods are quite popular nowadays. Absolutely. And it's the universal tripod 
fitting essentially so uh would be very very helpful well it's not universal but it's almost universal enough tripods what if you have a manfrotto tripod that's a good point then you get a arca swiss head right? yeah <laughs> then you just complain on comments <laughs> and see what happens Anyway, um, then moving on to the 400 mil. So they compared the 800 with the 400 and they said that you've got this built-in 1.4 converter, which is great. You can switch it over with the flick of a switch. Mm -hmm. To be honest, it's really difficult to do a comparison of these two because they're completely different lenses. But they did say when choosing between both lenses, 800 and 400, it ultimately comes down to flexibility, favoring the 400 2.8 versus price and weight for reaching 800 mil, which favors the 800 mil. Yeah, so if you've got the money, then you can get 400 and you can reach 800. However, 800 is smaller, lighter and cheaper, but also you can add teleconverter on top of it and even get further reach if you want to. But they also compared the F-mount version of 800, which is 5.6 and also a lot more expensive. So what does it say, Bex? So this is really interesting. They said, if you already own the AFS 800 mil 5.6 FLE DVR, you should be able to use it via FTZ adapter on a mirrorless Nikon Z body with excellent results. And as was reported elsewhere with focus speeds on a Z9 to match the speed on an F-mount body. So essentially they're saying that the 800mm 5.6 will be the same focusing speed on a Z9 as it mm -hmm. will be on a native DSLR. They said, but the 800mm F6.3 VR is 2.3 kilos lighter than the combination of the F-mount lens. Add that to the five stops of image stabilization and you could confidently handhold the lens and shoot it at unrivaled shutter speeds. And at a price which is about 10,000 euros slash dollars slash pounds lower, it's hard not to see the advantages of the 806.3 VRS over its F-mount sibling, even mm. if it is a third of a stop slower. So my takeaway from that is actually, if you already own the 800mm at 5.6, do not rush out and buy the 6.3. You should be fine. You will, you will be more than fine. That lens is absolutely phenomenal. The thing that we didn't see from them, which I would have liked to see, is actually an image quality comparison rather than just mm -hmm. let's say the slightly more obvious yeah the new ones lighter and cheaper we yeah. know that well, what they said we haven't actually tested the lens we're just looking at the charts right. and that's why we compare <clears throat> camera labs not good enough so we <laughs> oh shots fired so <laughs> they don't love us anymore not after that so we if we could get our hands on an 800 mil actually on both 800 yeah. what would mil, you shoot becky with the 800 yeah i would go portraiture just like mart irvin <laughs> Because <laughs> us portrait photographers, we know which lenses to use. So I would shoot small birds, I think, yeah. in a hide somewhere. Or not necessarily a hide, but essentially when, when you go out to shoot those sort of smaller bird varieties, mm. you have to have so much patience. Is that your happy place? Yes. In the middle of the forest. Where you don't happiness. need to talk to people. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> We can go together and not talk to each other. That's you can true. shoot with one and I can shoot with the other 800 mil. That also works. If you, if you are a person that would like to come out for the day or loan us your lenses for the day so that we can do a comparison and share it with the beautiful people of YouTube and the internet in general, let us know. The next one up, Nick updated their Windows 11 compatibility for their software packages. So we talked about about a month ago when they issued a few updates mm -hmm. supporting Windows 11. Now they issued actually the full statement showing which bits of software are compatible, but also which bits of software they've stopped supporting completely. So, for example, some of them were something like Capture Next or something like this, which were quite old. But 
if you're not 100% sure and you've just got a new computer with a Windows 11 installed, then I would definitely recommend to look at this list. And if you're a Windows 10 user, maybe wait for a couple of months for the bugs to be ironed out and then maybe more software will be supported eventually. Good idea. We actually did spot in one of the most recent updates of NX Studio that the uh, Google Maps integration or overlay feature is now gone. We've actually had a couple of comments on videos, but also emails from customers. Obviously, we don't have any say in, in what Nikon decide to include or not include. But from what I could see, Nikon essentially we're no longer able to include Google Maps due to some kind of a licensing issue. Yeah, I think it was something to do on the Google Maps side of things yeah. more than anything else. And therefore, maps are no longer available. Which is a shame, but there are alternatives out there if you do a quick search. So it's uh, it's sad that it's been removed from NX Studio, but hopefully not the end of the world for most people's workflow. Do you use other maps than, rather than Google Maps? I use Apple Maps sometimes. You do? Yeah. Occasionally. How does it working out for you? Uh, it works well when I'm trying to get directions and then it buzzes it to my watch so that I know when to turn and stuff. So. And does it get you to the right place? Usually. Oh, that's the important thing. I mean, Becky managed to come here today, so that's good news. Yay me. <laughs> uh, let's move on to financial news. There's a small announcement that the financial year that ended March 22, financial results will be out next week on May the 12th. And we're going to discuss that in detail. I'm so excited. So... Most of you can skip that one. <laughs> Except those of you who are interested. We do have SEPA numbers though. That's true. Yeah, some good news and bad news. The bad news is most of the shipments are generally down compared to previous year. So if you look at the penguin stats, as we call them, DSLR units are down 18% year to date. That's fine. I mean, they will be down. We're looking at increasing mirrorless market and decreasing DSLR market. So that's absolutely fine. But also mirrorless units are also down 15%. So that's 653.6K which is pretty good. And then if you look at actually the ship, the value is only 1%, so it's not too bad. But looking at the lenses, we've got 14% here today on full frame lenses, 1% on DX lenses, which is okay. Overall, 56.33% unit share. Okay. I think the numbers actually reflect the, the supply situations that we yeah. have. Obviously, this is for everything. This is for all cameras everywhere. Yes, I think the main signs of shrinking market at the moment is really a supply issue rather than demand because demand is there at least for the high ticket items like Z9, like Sony A1, R3. GFX100, R3, etc. So they are in high demand. Companies can't deliver. And again, we're obviously talking Nikon here. It's not just Nikon situation. It's among all camera manufacturers, but also among all manufacturers full stop, not just you know, camera equipment. Yeah, I think one biggest takeaway or thing that everybody needs to bear in mind is the fact that sometimes components, even components of components have maybe one manufacturer or one specialist uh, source that they get these parts from. Mm -hmm. If they are experiencing a delay, particularly if they're made in China and China is in various stages of lockdown and continues to be, so then that affects every single production unit, every factory, every warehouse that then uses those component parts. So to all intents and purposes, the rest of the world might be carrying on as though nothing happened. The the place where we get these things from or where these components come from are, are still sort of struggling a bit. So as you say, it's not just Nikon. Yeah. We just have to be a bit more patient, which is a horrendous thing to say, but is just the way it is. That's right. Speaking of China, we actually, because of lockdown, a shelf of products bought in China had shrunk a little bit by a few percent, but combined in Asia, it's still 
still holding strong comparing to Europe and America. So we're looking at roughly 30-30-30 split, basically, mm. within the you know DSLRs and also mirrorless units. Again, with science CDSLR shrinking, we've been seeing this throughout last year, and it's only going to continue. Unfortunately for DSLR users, because DSLR users do not buy DSLRs anymore, mm. and it seems like the next camera that they're going to buy is going to be mirrorless, we're going to start to see the decline of that and definitely grow as a mirrorless system. Again, products like Z9 and hopefully the future products that will be released, and we're talking Z8, potentially entry level into that system, will make DSLR users finally convert into mirrorless system. Wow. Strong statement there. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure our DSLR users will let me know in the comments below how happy they are to switch to mirrorless. Well, I would like to say that we will continue to create content around DSLRs, even if you can't buy a brand new one off the shelf for much longer. That's true. You can still buy the D850, the yeah. D6 and the D780, the D7500, the D5600 and on occasion the D3500. So there are actually no lack of DSLRs available on the market. It's just... Uh, we might not see another yeah. release. We will continue our coverage of DSLRs. We will. We will continue to hold the torch for DSLRs. So don't you worry. Don't worry, you DSLR user. It's a safe place here. <laughs> it is. Let's move on to some lens announcements. TC Arson announced 50 millimeter f 0.95 DX lens. Okay. Available for that mount. It's only cost two hundred and twenty eight dollars. Wow. And it gives you 0.95. So if you are ZFC or Z50 user. It could be a fun lens. Obviously, I wouldn't expect miracles from it in terms of sharpness and overall performance. But if you do like low light shooting and very shallow depth field, that's probably the lens to consider. Nice. Moving on, the interesting bit. Delkin devices already had their black CF Express cards, which are considered to be one of the top CF Express cards available on the market. And we know Rishi, who tested those cameras, and he basically awarded this particular card the best card in its class. Now, they are releasing a new Black Safe Express cards, which are even better. Mm -hmm. So the new memory cards actually write faster and therefore will give you essentially a bottomless buffer. We are actually going to test this out. Mm -hmm. Here's one we made earlier. <laughs> we are actually going to test these out in cameras and see if the claims are true and that it creates a bottomless buffer. Another thing that is quite interesting that I queried was that they're now available in slightly different capacities. So we have 75 gig, 150 gig. Then we have 325 gig, like mm -hmm. this one. We still have 512, and then we've got 650 gig. And I actually asked our very lovely rep from Delkin Devices here in the UK why the size differences. And he said, essentially, it was to give photographers more gigabytes for their money. So although the prices are fractionally higher because of course it's a faster card with a slightly higher capacity in terms of pound per gigabyte or dollar per gig you get a much better deal and uh and i like that i like that ethos that's really cool and so just to confirm the buffer thing so basically nikon claimed that you can get 79 frames nef raw lossless compression before the buffer fills up on the camera now with this card you basically have a bottomless buffer, as you say. So you can basically press the button, hold it, have a tea, 
call your mom and it will still take pictures. So that's number one. Number two as well, that the writing speed is basically 1240 megabytes per second. So that's guaranteed. That's the kind of the, the minimum writing speed. Mm -hmm. So which is going to be good for 8K raw at 12 bit at 60 frames per second, which is 2.6 gigabits per second on the Nikon Z9. So it's basically fully ready for Z9. And if you haven't got Z9 yet or you haven't bought a memory card yet, that probably would be one of the top choices to consider. Yes, of course, if you are using a different camera, Z6, Z6, 2, 7, 7, 2, etc. These cards are going to work perfectly in those two. You wouldn't necessarily get the full benefit of having speeds that fast but I think it's quite exciting for those videographers who are shooting 4k as well just to be able to have those transfer speeds and uh, even the previous versions of the the Delkin Blacks are very good we do have these in stock we also have a few left over of the higher capacity original Delkin Blacks and uh, while stocks last I believe we also have a memory card offer with the 512 gigs so if you are interested in getting one head over to the Grace website fantastic Next one up, the company AlphaGuard, or at least we think it pronounced this way, designed some skins for Nikon Z9. I like the khaki one. Yeah, so <laughs> if you want your camera to look like this, or like this. <laughs> You're providing the sound effects. Exactly. You can go there and pre-order one for your camera. Do you use skins on your camera, Becky? No. No? No, but I have put skins on my Switch. <laughs> I would want to have my Z9 to have a, like a yellow Pikachu skin. It's nice and discreet combination, I think. Very. Although, I mean, for some things, I do like the idea of having a sort of customizable skin. With the Z9, I think that the skins that they've advertised are more practical than... They're for practical purposes rather mm. than just style. So the, the khaki green could blend in, although the black camera would blend in, but in, in like a forest environment or something, my mm -hmm. happy place, as we discussed. Mm -hmm. the, the one that's that sort of camo gray could work in the Arctic situation. That's true, if you're Tom Mason and mm -hmm. be in Arctica, then why not? Yeah, exactly. Or Harry Skeggs, you know, they, they're up in cold places at the moment. Mm -hmm. But it could also be for the, for the looks. But it's very nice to be able to put your own personality onto your camera. To put a little spin mm -hmm. on your favorite Z camera. Let's move on to review sections. Now, this review, particular review, it's uh, it's a Nikon Z9 review and analysis by Raycon Foco. It's a very interesting, very nerdy review of Z9, but I can promise you, you haven't read that before. So it's not your just standard review of Z9 is great, is great, or it's Fox is fast. Raycon Foco is actually developers of the autofocus calibrating software, which you can connect your Nikon or other brand cameras to the computer, run the software, and it won't only auto-fine-tune your lens, but also it will give you a good indication if your lens is good, if it's got some astigmatism problems, etc., etc., or can also test vibration reduction of your lens or your camera. Now, the interesting thing, or what I took away from this, on the VR testing conclusions, they said if you're using a Z7, it's probably best to switch off the VR at higher shutter speeds, whereas with the Z9, there's no need. So the VR performance of the Z7 is actually slightly better than that of the Z9, but the Z9 performance overall at higher shutter speeds is better with the in-body stabilization. Another interesting thing about Z9 review is they're talking about calibration of Z lenses on Z cameras. And what they say that over 30% of Z lenses need no calibration at all, with around 80% of all Z mount lenses only needed about one AF fine-tuned point of adjustments. So realistically, you probably don't need to do any adjustments at all. So this is very interesting. Now, 
that means that technically, if you got your camera and your lens, it's highly likely you don't need to calibrate your lens. So now talking about F-mount lenses, it's a different story. Mm. So with FTZ adapter, uh, you've introduced another physical connection and brought the lens optics away from the sensor. Both of these can introduce more significant deviations in the light path of the sensor. On top of this, you can have a lens that actually was designed 30 years ago. So the first autofocus lenses with AFS motor were basically introduced in 1992. So it could be a very, very long range of lenses from 1992 to the current ones. Mm -hmm. So that adds a lot more complications. So looking at the chart, basically what they say is 60% of lenses require no calibration or single air fine-tuned point of adjustments, but that leaves 40% of all F-mount lenses requiring adjustments which start immediately and obviously improve the image quality. So you have a lot of F-mount lenses and you use them on Z camera with FTZ adapter, you may want to try out focus calibration if you want to see any improvements in sharpness. I think it's interesting also that in previous years and with DSLRs, autofocus fine tuning for a lot of people became the norm. You know, yeah. you get a new lens with your DSLR from a few years ago and you calibrate them just to make sure that you get it absolutely spot on. Yeah. Particularly if you're a working professional using your cameras in a situation where fine focusing is critical, such as portrait photography in the studio or something like that or even on location or even wildlife and sports photography if you were using a very long lens with a very shallow depth of field then you'd end up with uh you know slightly back or front focused images so the fact that the z cameras just generally don't show much of an issue and the the issues are very very small with their z lenses means that technology's just come along a massive way yeah, it's a good thing, absolutely. And obviously with DSLRs, with introductions of high-resolution sensors, so 36 megapixels plus, we started to see those issues become more obvious. And then I just want to ask our viewers, because obviously we talk it from a professional point of view where you would expect calibrating your lenses as a part of it. I use Rake and Focal software myself. Mm -hmm. It's a good fun bit when you want to test your lens, you can have 40 pages PDF report on how your lens behaves, which is very interesting for some of us. But do tell us in the comment below, do you ever use autofocus uh, fine-tune or calibration of the lens at all, or you just trust your camera and the lens to work together without any issues. The report itself is very, very comprehensive. It's well worth having a look if that interests you and uh, almost comfortably segues into the read and watch segment because you could spend the whole weekend reading. For your weekend read and watch segment, we have the Nikon 100-400Z lens review by yours truly. We did actually take the 100-400 to the London Wetland Centre some months back yeah. Time flies. Absolutely. We even met people who recognized us. We did, which was quite fun. Um, we took the 100-400. We also took the 70-200, the 1.4 teleconverter. As earlier discussed, we haven't taken the two times converter because we didn't have one at that time. I even shot a little bit with the 24-120. That's true. We did take some landscapes with it. Yeah, few here, here and there. The pictures were lovely. We will continue to post those pictures on our Instagram pages respectively but do go and check out our review and give our video a little like if you've enjoyed it it would be very much appreciated absolutely and if you had enough of us and you want to see a review of a professional just like us his name is mark smith he published a review of 100 to 400 lens compared versus 500 millimeter pf lens on z9 it's two part interview with a gorgeous visuals beautiful birds out there so do have a look at it it's definitely worth a watch 
And then lastly, we have shooting sports with the D5 slash Z9 402.8 TCVRS. So let's talk sports with Chris Thomas and Matt Irwin. Absolutely. Thank you, Matt. It's the first time I watch cricket for that long. <laughs> that's impressive. Yeah, not a game for me. And that's everything. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us today. Yes, thank you very much for watching and or listening. If you're on YouTube, would you give us a like and a subscribe? We'd love it if you did. If you're listening on a podcast platform, of which we are on all of them pretty much, please give us a follow, perhaps a review, a rating. All of it just helps tremendously. Absolutely. I do like the sound of my own voice, so I do listen to them sometimes. <laughs> That's really sad. Oh, <laughs> uh, dear. Um, it's a quality control thing, really, isn't it? It's like listening to yourself back and just Indeed. making, making yes. sure that you made sense. You call it quality control. I call it cringe fest. Yeah. <laughs> um, and if you'd like to find us on the social medias of the world, we're on Instagram. Yeah, I'm at Constant Kochkin, and you are? I'm at Rebecca underscore Danese. And the shop is at Nikon at Grays, also on Instagram. We are posting our images from our shoots as much as we possibly can. So if you want to see the stills in slightly compressed but social media format, then you can have a look at them there. Fantastic. And we will see you next week on the internet. Yes, we will. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.